When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Moneymaker, the podcast that gives you the tools to enrich your life in every sense of the word. I'm your host, Nelly Galan. Let's get started. Gloria Stefan, one of the people I admire most in the world. I'm so happy to be here with you. And we've known each other for so many years, Gloria. I mean, it's crazy. I tell everybody, I met you when I was 17 years old and I was doing the teen version of 60 Minutes and you had just had Naib. And you had just finished college and you had studied psychology and you guys were barely getting started with Miami Sound Machine and how incredible everything that's happened. I can't believe you were 17. All right. <laughs> Did you tell me at the time you were 17? I don't remember. Well, it, was a teen- it was a teenage version of 60 Minutes. It was a teenage show. Oh my gosh. Well, you and- killed it. It was great. <laughs> it was very exciting for us. It was actually our very first big piece. And we were so thrilled to be a part of it. And, you know, we love you very much. And oh, I love you too. out of everything Both you've done, I'm a big fan of yours as well. So I'm happy to be here with you. So I Gloria, this is, this is Money Maker. So, you know, everybody interviews you about your career and you do have the most incredible career. And I, I have to say it because you're, you've won so many Grammys. You did the Super Bowl. You've had your own Broadway show about your life. You just are the first Latina ever to make it in the Songwriters Hall of Fame, which I know for you yeah. is the biggest deal of all because you love that. That's big but, but I think the part, the, the, the reason I was so dying to do this with you is because you know that I wrote the book Self Made and this podcast about Moneymaker and I'm devoted to helping our community and women and, and men and ever get financially literate and, and learn how to make money. And I don't think a lot of people know that you're such a boss and that you are just as good at the back of the house as the front of the house. And I want to talk about it because I don't know, is it a Cuban gene that the, that when we got here from Cuba and our parents lost everything, when I met you guys, you both had jobs and you had side hustles. Emilio worked at Bacardi and you were doing the music thing on the side. It was your side hustle back then. And what I remember is that like everybody probably thinks you're an overnight success, but you really weren't. And I I remember you were doing weddings and bar mitzvahs. And I remember you guys telling me that you used your own money to, to make demos and to make things because nobody really believed in the Latin music thing. That's absolutely right. And so many things that you've said there are true. Is it a gene thing? Uh, I think it could be handed down. Like my grandmother was a brilliant businesswoman and I grew up in the kitchen with her, helping her with her catering business. And she created this amazing kind of illegal restaurant in her house that abutted uh, Curtis Park, a big park where men would go, a lot of Cuban men with their kids to play little league. And she saw a need, there were no concessions. And she created a business that in the 60s was giving her five grand a weekend in cash. So I grew up with my grandma. My mom, on the other hand, incredible educator, PhD in education, loved teaching, had zero business sense. And I spent my life trying to help her out and, you know, 
do things to help, but she just didn't want anything to do with that. She was an academic through and through, didn't want to think about that part. So when Emilio and I got together and I joined the band, I already had two other jobs, as you mentioned. That was my third job, the band, and going to school full load. Yeah. So, but I was excited about it because I spent my adolescence taking care of my dad. And it was the first time poor thing had gotten so ill that he finally had to go to the VA hospital because he couldn't be fed anymore you know, in the regular way. And even though we would go every single day to bathe him and feed him because they were swamped there with so many guys from the war that had the same thing as my dad. It was pretty much Agent Orange poisoning and they were swamped. So I still made it there every day, but I was so excited to be able to do stuff, you know, do and study and, and work and do things. And it, I always, I think I got that from my grandma. I always had a kind of like a business sense. And then, and this might sound crazy, but our favorite game growing up since we went nowhere was Monopoly. And I have to tell you that that game taught me a lot because we would play for days on end. And it gave me a little, it's a little microcosm of life. You know, you make some money, you have to invest it in order to make more money or all your money's gone. Then you might end up in jail. Thankfully that never happened, but I never did anything to end up in jail. But anyway, it was a really good lesson for me too, believe it or not, because it was emulate emulating what was to come. And it kind of got me interested in real estate a lot. I like tangibles. We're going to talk about that. We're going to, yeah. because that's what I, why I think so many people that are artists then later on have no money. So we'll talk about that. But in the beginning, I remember how much you guys had to also make money to save money so you could invest money in this, like your side hustle to make it work because you were also in an emerging market, which was nobody was playing Latino music. Nobody, I mean, you guys started a whole genre. So how difficult was that? And you talk a lot about it in your Broadway show, but the business part of it that you and Emilio had to be really grounded. I always say that you guys are so sencillo and grounded and like down to earth. And I don't know if a lot of kids today, like people are influencers and they make a lot of money and they, they think it's going to be there forever. And then they yeah. realize you, ha you guys did it the other way. You know, I was, I was saying, I, I did a little intro for you and I was saying, you know, like in today's world, you would have posted a song and somebody would have discovered you. But back then, you had to hustle and go radio station by radio and beg, <laughs> right? But the difference is it was big payoff. Right. Because at the time, right now, the market is so fragmented. And people are used to getting their music either for free or with a streaming service. That it, Being a lover of music, I love it that I can play anything I want. But being a writer and a musician, I realize how things have changed. And until the laws change to protect the writers and the musicians in this big pool of money that is still, it's still finding its feet, this new technology, then the ones that suffer are the artists. Because before you could be a recording artist and not go on tour. And if you had a hit song, you made a lot of money and it, it could last you. However, you still have to invest. I would always tell Emilio, I don't want all my eggs in one basket. You know, women have a shorter shelf life than men in this business and you can't keep everything and think that it's never going to go away, like only in one genre. But both of us, Emilio and I, he's an entrepreneur from day one. He, and he's a hustler, Emilio. He, he, he's very creative. 
he has great ideas, but he doesn't like to do the minutia where you have to read the contracts and sit and discuss these things. He finds that tiring and I love it. So, so he's we, an opener and you're a closer. <laughs> we have a really good balance. That's honestly. a great balance. But see, nobody, we, nobody would think that. Like, I think that when you meet Emilio and he's so extroverted and you're a little more, I mean, you're extroverted like I am in moments, but you're I'm more introverted. Yes. <laughs> and, and so you, you know, people would think he's the business guy and she's the artist, but that's why I wanted to do this with you because yes. I know that you're really good at like, and I, and I want women to hear that because I always say you can't just fall in love with the front of the house. Like if you compare what you do to a lady who's a baker or whatever, many other entrepreneurs, they go, oh, let's leave the, the dirty stuff to somebody else. But you can't. Oh, you can't. That's how people lose money. And exactly. I, I tell my son every day, I go, I love the back of the house. I yeah. love the legal documents. Me I'm too. not afraid of conflict. I like accounting. I like signing my own checks. Yeah. And I think what people have to hear that. Yeah. Every every week, we have a whole you know we have a CFO and all that because there's a yeah, lot of yeah there's a lot of business at the checks. But I look at every check that gets cut. Emilio signs the checks himself, one way or another. We both keep a strong eye, and I read every contract that we signed with Sony, even though we had all these lawyers. Many times, I have been at odds with what my lawyer is recommending. And Emilio and I will go with our gut and what we feel is right because we know our long game and there's a lot of times that we stand on moral ground, whether it may be easier financially or legally to just, you know, get rid of the problem. No, we, we think about what are the repercussions of this. You have to be very hands-on in your business. And, you know, I saw my grandma do it. And being Latinas, you know for a fact that I would think in the majority, I may be wrong, I haven't taken a poll, but the majority of Latin households are run by the women. The women cut the checks, the women pay the bills, the men brings home, you know, the money if the woman doesn't work. Now, usually it's both people working, but it's, we're matriarchal, even though we let the men, true. you know, feel, feel like they're the like men. They're important. <laughs> well, they are, but, they are, you know, they are. but Latinas, hustle and raise the family you know you're a nurse you're a teacher once you have kids you've got to do it all women are used to multitasking whether or not you do handle the household things or not you're definitely multitasking if you're a mom and a woman and a wife whatever usually nowadays with a job because it's really hard to get by on one one check or one salary nowadays it's tough so you know and i grew up seeing women doing it My grandfather had had five heart attacks by the time he came to the States. And my grandma was the mastermind of the business. He kind of worked for her. She would tell him what to do. And it's really funny because my grandma was like four foot six. Era candela. She was something else. Fire, right? So my grandfather would stash away cash for himself. And I saw that he would hide it behind the, the gas pedal in his car, behind the, the mat. And my grandma would just let him and let him, knowing what he was doing, and let him until he had so much money in there. And then she'd come in and take it. And he couldn't tell her anything because he'd been hiding it away from her. Oh, my God. I, I would crack up watching that whole dynamic. It was hilarious. 
Gloria, and from what I've witnessed knowing you all these years also, like a lot of people, they get one, they they make a little money at something and then they go spend it like crazy and and, and live in a grandiose way. And again, I think in the, in the Cuban playbook, we were told by our parents, maybe because they lost everything, not the way about local, don't go crazy, yeah. right? Absolutely. And so you guys were very measured, as I recall, yes. in, in like, you, you you know, I tell people, you know, a lot of my friends go, did you make more money than we did when we were young? I go, no, but you bought a Jaguar and went on all these trips. I bought buildings. Right. And I know that at some point you guys realized early on to diversify. Exactly. And I know you like real estate like I do, because I say don't buy shoes, buy buildings. Love it. And you also like you you got into other businesses. You diversified your portfolio. I think that's important to say because a lot of Latinos make money and save money and they put it in the mattress. And that's not going to get you till the end of your life. No, and it's not going to make money either. No, you need to have your money where it's going to make some money and you have to you can move it around. You can't be afraid to get stuck on this one thing. You know, you have to make your money work for you. But look, Emilio, when he bought the house that we moved into a year before we got married. Now, he was at the time 25. What 25 year old you think is thinking of these things? But he was smart enough to the money that he had saved, working his butt off at Bacardi, playing accordion for tips, starting his band and playing on the weekends. Emilio never really had he's never had a, a best friend till now because he was always working. He never went out like he was always working and hustling because he had to maintain his parents. So he was already of that mentality. So he yeah. bought, bought our house. We lived there 11 years. And when the money started rolling in because of Dr. B and the songs, and by the way, I wanted to say this because I've never been a person that cares about money and I could just hear the eyes rolling. Okay. Yeah. Because you have no, I just have never been enamored of the fancy Thanks. clothes or the expensive shoes. If I felt good in whatever I was wearing, and even now, if I'm I'm as happy in a $10 t-shirt or a $10 skirt from Sheen or whatever that thing is, that looks like a Dolce, nice things are great. They last forever. And, and if you can afford them, that's great. But you can't buy them when you can't really afford them you can, of course. I think what you're saying, though, is you're not materialistic. You're not making money not for that all. reason. Right. But I think money is important in, in the sense of freedom. Because you've been Absolutely. able to do a lot of things. Freedom and to help other people. And to help other people and family. family. We got Emilio's brother and kids out of Cuba. I've been able to you know, help my sister throughout her life. I took care of my mom really well. We took care of his parents. To immigrants, at least yes. for us. Yes. That's what's important. And that takes money. So. Yes. When we did the music, we never went in, oh, let's do this because we're going to get a hit or it's going to be top of the charts. We did it because we loved it and it represented who we were. And we were excited about sharing something to communicate with the world through our music, show our culture. And yes, in the years that we broke through in the 80s, if you were lucky enough to get that hit, although we worked on top of the luck, it was a big payoff. It was. Nowadays, it's a different scenario, but it was. But I remember that Emilio and I would go to the beach every weekend and we'd drive by Star Island and we'd look at the houses and, you know, oh, wow, these houses are amazing. What a dream that would be. When the money started coming in, before we bought our own house, 
we bought a building on the beach because I would go to the beach with my grandfather every summer and I would stand there and look and I would say to Emilio, I go, you know, th there's something has got to happen with South Beach because this is wasted. It's the ocean Location, location. We're going to discover it. So we bought a little apartment building on Euclid that we still own and we're now redoing. And then one day we drove by and we saw this house on Star. It was an old house, you know, it'd been built in 57, but it was for sale by owner. At that point we could afford it, but we said we won't buy a house of this nature unless we can pay it completely because we don't want to have a mortgage. We don't want to take the chance that you could lose a house if something happens. You have to be able to maintain because the taxes are astronomical on the That's island. The maintenance, the maintenance. And you have to figure this into the whole equation. So we waited until we absolutely knew that we could live here without having to worry, oh, my God, where is my next month's payment going to come from? And that's how we've approached pretty much everything, everything. You know, everything. And yes, we've had we live a luxurious life in that we do what we like and we live in a beautiful place, but we're not the kind of people that we look. Emilio loves sales. He loves to buy at the outlet mall. So do I. Yeah, you're not grandiose. I, you've never been great. Because you know, why pay more if you find it? Why? I mean, why? I crappy, but exactly. But well, there's always good deals somewhere. That's so. right. That's right. And we have to think yeah. like that. Exactly. So the other thing that I've always heard you say is that when you make an album or when you do anything, whether it's an album, a restaurant, I mean, you know, you have you have all these different businesses that you always come in under budget and on time. Yes. And I think that's important to say too, because so many people spend, so, like the overhead is so high. You know, I always say when I go to see somebody that, that I want to do business with and I see the office too grandiose, I go, mm, yeah. I don't know. There's, is, are they spending them? Or if I go see a doctor and the office is too posh, I go, they're, they're spending the money in the wrong place. You know, like it makes me like nervous. Because exactly. I think we were not raised that way. Yeah, no, we weren't. Although my <laughs> mother, I have to say, and she taught me a lot too, because my mom never, she was a princess in Cuba in her house. And she never had to do a bill, cook a meal, clean a house. So all of a sudden she's in Miami with a two-year-old. My dad is gone somewhere that he couldn't even tell her where he was because he was training for Bay of Pigs. And all of a sudden my mom is like, she lost her feet. And my mom was the type of person that since she worked so hard and was going to school at night to revalidate her credentials, she would send all the clothes to the dry cleaner and spend like $800 over. And I would say, mom, you know, this is insane. Or she wouldn't think that clothes was good if it wasn't super expensive. And I would say, mom, you know, like, she grew up with that mentality and there was no way that I could change her her entire life. Of course, later on, I could afford buying her all the Notori PJs and her silk pajamas and she never had to worry a day in her life. But she didn't have that business sense that my grandma had and was afraid to buy a house, preferred to rent because she was afraid of the responsibility. I mean, if you can't buy, fine. But we were, Emilio and I tried to make it so she could buy a home and she didn't show up at the bank that day because she chickened out. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, later on, we bought her a house, so maybe she was a smarter one. But um, I do think you have to learn it somewhere, pay attention somehow. And um, there's always someone to learn from. And That's I had right. my grandma. And Emilio and I have made a great team that way because we well, do- but today people have so much information online. We're talking about it right yes. now. And, and there's so many ways to learn. I think, you know, especially I worry about all the immigrants coming in because they, you know, they leave a horrible situation and I feel, for, you know, we know better than anybody what that feels like. And they come here thinking this is the land of opportunity. It's just that now, as you said, it's more saturated than when we all came many years ago. And I, you know, I remember reading about how in the early days you had done rec- a record deal for international and you, you kind of massaged the, the, the contract to your favor. And then when you switched over to the mainstream side, and I think that's also important because you're, you're very Latina and authentically Latina and you've done Latino music and yet you haven't marginalized yourself in the Latino market. And that's another thing we have to hear, but you kind of went into the music world in the back door in, in terms of a contract because you read the contract so carefully. Yes. And when you switched to the mainstream, they had to honor that original contract Absolutely. that gave you better better deal than what they give the Americans. A new one. Absolutely. And not only that, our first two albums that we did were bilingual. They were half in English, half in Spanish. It was too early for the market to do something like that. Our audience in Miami understood that and could appreciate it. But when Disco CBS came to sign us, we had gotten ourselves by, you know, taking the record all over the, uh, the radio stations in Miami. We had made a hit on our third album that got on the Latin stations, including the first album, Renacer, became huge in, the, in South America or whatever. So they wanted to do our album basically in Spanish. And we said, you know what? OK, that's fine. But we want to reserve the right at some point to record in English. And they go, oh, well, you can do it. I go, no, no, we want it in the contract. We want in our contract that at some point they go, oh, yeah, give it to them. That's never going to happen, whatever, because they underestimated you. Exactly. But we made sure that that was worked into the contract. And since we were already coming in with a hit, we go, OK, but we're we're handing you a, you know, a band that's already had this many hits in Latin America. But so and Emilio negotiating is like incredible. So yeah, but I've heard you're very good too. That you're yeah, not like the, afraid of, of conflict. I'm not, but this is what's good. And unfortunately, it's what happens in business, especially in the industry, or that men and what they say is taken with a lot more weight than what a woman does. So the the great thing about our team was he was in the trenches fighting for everything him and I had already decided that was going to be the parameters. And I remember when we were going to sign a very big deal later on with Epic Records, where they were revalidating. It's in, it's in the play, too. Yes. We got 50 million as an advance. And Emilio was in there and he came. He called me because he was in New York negotiating. And he said, OK, this is the deal. They're telling us that there's no way. I want you to let me walk away. I go, absolutely. Walk away. Because sometimes you have to make decisions that are difficult decisions because you're thinking, oh, my God, a bird in the hand, you know. But then if you don't take a risk, like in real estate, you have to take an educated risk. But it's all about timing and being able to hold what you buy and not stretching to the point where if something happens, like when the market crashed, you know, that the economic, the 
real estate market crashed, people lost everything and lost because they overextended themselves. And we will never do that. But there are moments in life where you have to say, you have to stand your ground and you got to be yeah, ready. But let's talk, let's talk about that because all the women, and you know, I've, I've traveled all over the country, all over the world, talking to women entrepreneurs and they go, how did you, how did you find your voice? They say to me to like stand up to, let's say Donald Trump and the apprentice. Cause I was on the apprentice and I go, well, because I've worked for worse people. I mean, it is it is something that happened. You don't it, you don't start being twelve and knowing how to do that. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So you guys went through a lot of people trying to, and the the music industry is treacherous for being tough. And, and for the deal women more so. Yeah, and you hear all the time how people that are artists years later they don't have anything because they still owe money to the record company. I think you guys were lucky because you were a team, but also how did you two find your voice? Because I know a lot of people turned you down and told you no constantly. Const it's in the show. So how did you find your voice to know your worth and your value? Because I think that's what all of our listeners that are entrepreneurs. I mean, your story could be like I tell people, it doesn't matter if it's a TV show, a record or a Burger King or a bodega. It's the same thing. You're going to have people that won't loan you money. You're going to. It's the same thing. How did you find your voice? Well, it's, you have to have belief. You know, there's no more motivating word to Emilio and I than the word no. Because, for example, in the music, we had a focus group every time we played a gig. We had the people, because Miami has so many different cultures in it, and whether we were doing a bar mitzvah for a Latin, the Juban, as we call them, Jewish Juban, <laughs> or whether we were doing a quince or a wedding, we were able to fill every gap that they needed for that party because we played Latin music, we played disco, we played ballads. I got Emilio to learn Brazilian music because I loved it. And I thought this is going to give us even more play. So when we were doing our original stuff, we would often test it out before we even recorded it. And we knew the response and what it was going to be. And now we had people in the way telling us, thinking that they knew what the market was when we knew that there was a market for our music. We knew it. So we had a very clear vision and a belief in what we were doing. So it didn't matter if somebody told us no, because him and I knew it. We felt it deep in our bones. And when they kept telling us to change our music because we were too American for the Latins, too Latin for the Americans, take out the horns, take out the percussion, we're thinking, we don't want to blend in. What makes us who we are is what we want to be successful with because you're going to have to do it the rest of your life if you're a success. And if you listen to all these crazy ideas from people that don't know who we are and don't know what our music is, then you're going to water down something. And if you succeed, you're going to have to do something you don't really like the rest of your life. And if you fail, you failed because you didn't stick to your guns. So you have to now. Yeah, you have to have a great idea and believe in it. But you got to do you've got to do your homework. You've got to do your homework and you know, not just go out there crazily, oh, I've got this great idea without backing up how much is it going to cost to develop the idea for us? How much it costs to do a record? It's recoupable. That's a phrase in the in the in the industry. It's all recoupable. They would they would make us pay for even the tear sheets that people pulled out of magazines when they were going to suggest album covers. 
Yeah, we, everything. We would audit the company every time. People are afraid sometimes to stir the pot. If we have the right to audit, we will audit. And invariably, every time, they owed us millions of dollars that they hadn't paid. And you got to <laughs> spend to get it. Yeah. You know? So you've got to be on top of your business. You've got to check everything you can. You've got to find every resource to find whatever you're selling, a better way to make it. You know, the industry, it's a lot less expensive now to make a great record because it's digital. So the quality is going to be there. When we were doing the records, if you didn't pay a top-notch studio with a top-notch engineer, you're, you weren't going to be able to compete. So when we had the idea to do, we snuck Dr. Beat on our fourth album for discos. We told them, hey, you know, it's in English, so why don't we put it on the B-side of the single that's going out in Spanish? Then Emilio and I did the 12-inch. We took it to the record pools because they had no idea what was going on. It got exported to Holland. It went number one there. That's why you were saying we went through the back door. And we, they had only given us $25,000 to do the album Primitive Love, the one that had Conga in, because when this became huge and sold millions for a small Latin company, they were over the moon. And we go, okay, we want to do an English language album. And they said, absolutely. But their budget was still the same. So we invested our own money so that it could compete on a world level. All our savings we put into that album because we knew that it was going to work. And then we just fought hard every step of the way. But Well, that's another thing that we have to say, that to make money, you have to constantly invest and believe in yourself again and again and again. Like just because some people believe in you, then when you try something new, then they don't believe in you again. Exactly. You're only now, as good as your great, your latest hit. That's great. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Now let me ask you a question. Hold on. Moneymaker will be right back. Let's get back to the show. In terms of the diversification of your portfolio, you guys went into restaurants and hotels. Like, I, there's a part of me that, you know, since I've invested a lot in real estate too, but, and, you know, and during the pandemic, it was a headache because oh my God. nobody was paying. I, I tell people, if I didn't have money put away like a good exactly. Cuban, I would have lost everything because the Absolutely. carrying cost would kill you if you're over leveraged. So that's important for people to- you still have to pay to, taxes. You still have to, you pay. Have to pay. the Yeah, yeah all, everything. Taxes. Yeah, but I, I I question like doing businesses that are so labor heavy and all that. Even though you have a, you have other people running them, why did you guys decide to do that instead of things that are more passive income ish? Even though nothing is passive income because you right. still have to deal with it. Right. Well, first was of that all, just a passion? It was a passion because I grew up with my grandmother in the kitchen, and her dream was to have her own restaurant. And because she was a little four foot six viejita from Cuba no one believed that she would make it a go. And that was her dream. So when we bought our for one of the, the two hotels on Ocean Drive, the Cardozo and the Shore Park, where Lario's on the beach, they already had a restaurant that wasn't working, but it, it had a full kitchen. It had all, was ready to go. And we had met the Lario's. We would go make a beeline to their restaurant, getting off the plane because their food was so incredible. And we would tell them, hey, if we ever find something on the beach, would you be interested in coming and doing it? And it's great Cuban food, like my grandma. Uh, Nene, the chef, was the father. Like home cooking. 
She was the front man of the of the restaurant. So we were excited when we bought the place. And Emilio and I thought music and food, especially for Latin culture, is a no brainer. And we had the thought about creating an event space that was Cuban food, which is usually in an eatery. At, at that point, there had never been a nice Cuban restaurant in Miami where you go to have an occasion where it was beautifully done and on a great location. So we knew that in that market, there was nothing like it. There was a great Cuban restaurant on the beach, but it was like the kind that you go in flip-flops. So we thought, let's do this. It's a great tie-in with music. And Emilio loved the idea. Then he was the one that did the deal with Disney for bongos over there. And I have to be honest, at the time I thought, oh my God, this is going to be a huge, you know, like a accomplishment if we get it. But to have a Cuban in the mouse house, <laughs> that was a big deal culturally. Yeah, it was a big deal. And that was big in that respect. So and then it became part of your brand almost, because you're right. Because I love I love getting to Miami airport and going to a Stefan kitchen and getting my cortadito, you know, right. my pastelito. Right, and the hot Cuban, which I invented, that <laughs> stuffed pastry with all the Cuban stuff, you know. Oh, my God, that is amazing. Because it's easy to eat. Then I invented the mini ones because I said, these are too big and they're too hard to eat on a plane. Let's make a sample one where you have three. You can have three different things and they're more edible, easy to eat. And the hotels, we've been to every hotel practically in the world, and we know what we want in a hotel. And we know that service is key because mm -hmm. now hotels, the general ones where people would stay and stuff, they've gone down notches because they're so big and it's really hard. And, you know, that they, they you can't get enough people staffed. Like everyone is suffering from understaffing, you know, so... We are we knew what we wanted in a hotel, and that's why Costa and uh, in Costa Deste in Vero Beach, which is incredibly successful, and uh, the Cardozo. Now that we redid, we did like a four year remodel. Oh my god, you have you have we're, a fried rice Cuban style. Yeah, we're oh my god, which oriented. You know, we want people to leave there when you stay in, in a boutique hotel. You want to have an experience where everything is done for you, and you feel pampered. And that was also for us very close. Now, we did invest in the stock market in the 80s because it was something you did. But it was never anything I liked because it's not a tangible. And sure, we, enough, like, we like something real. Right. And my son, who had gotten after my accident, he'd gotten a big lump of cash because he was injured in the crash. We invested for him. And since he was so little, we were a little more aggressive with his investments. And he had quadrupled it. And then Black Monday came <laughs> and we go, oh, no, you know what? We re we put his money back, him, Emilio and I personally, because we had other things. You know, the music business was huge. But who could have ever thought that what happened in the music business was going to happen? Right. You have to have a backup plan always. You do. And after COVID, now, when you mentioned COVID, you also have to know how to pivot because, you know, Emilio and I are in different points of our life than when we started these businesses. And at the point that COVID happened, we had two other restaurants that were open. Lario's that had been open 25 years. It was incredible. And Esteban Kitchen in the design district that had opened like three or four years before that. Emilio was up every day getting into arguments, 
because he's hands on. And if you're not in the place or you can't find someone that will run it exactly like you want, it's very frustrating. So COVID happened, as you said, we spent a long time without any income because we were shut down. Right. Tried to reopen Larios again on the beach and they shut us down two weeks after. Although we did find jobs for everybody uh, that worked in our restaurant. We worked through CVS. The pharmacies needed help. And they, since we had everybody vetted, they came to us and said, we'll take on your employees. We need people and we know that your people are good. So we were able to get them jobs and we kept everybody on. We, we tried to do everything we could. And when time came to reopen, I sat with Emilio and I told him, okay, hear me out. You know, I want you to enjoy your life. Because he had started a whole new business, Stefan Global, that was a streaming business during COVID. He did Nurse Heroes. And they got, they made millions for the nurse heroes, um, the nurses throughout the United States. And it got like a couple billion in footprint. And he started that whole company. And I said, okay, look, this is something you love. The president of our company died, Frank Amadeo. That's right, Frank. That was, was horrible. Devastating. Frank was our right-hand man. And so unexpected. He was in the prime of his life, 57 years old. And he was our trust. He had signature on our bank accounts. That's never going to happen again with anyone. Mm. And we'd never replaced him because it's just impossible. Possible. So all of a sudden we're missing the guy that was that ran everything. And I said to Emilio, hear me out. I think that we need these businesses are great. We own the buildings. I think we should not reopen these restaurants. I think we should eventually lease them. Let's do what we want to do. And so that you don't have this kind of stress. Yeah. Because it's a different phase of life, so a different phase of life. Stressed. And it's been incredible because they've been incredibly successful and we pivoted. You can't be afraid to pivot when something changes in life. You have to make these choices. And well, I think, and I think we're, we're more, you know, I think because we've gone through what we've gone through and you've gone through, you know, people think may think you've had everything so wonderful and everything's great, but you had a, a horrible accident. You've had your issue with your dad. We know from everything we've gone through as immigrants, and I know all the immigrants coming to America know this, that in a way we're more prepared for these moments that are not so good because we yes. know bad things can happen to good people and you can't get stuck. You yeah. have to be able to pivot, to change and to, to know that you can start all over and make it. Absolutely. We opened a restaurant in Orlando that's doing great, a Stefan Kitchen, and that one's doing amazing too. But we, I asked Emilio really to shift on that account because some I wanted to streamline the operation without Frank yes. and you know really do maximize our potential with everything that we've already put in our portfolio. We've bought other things. You know, and we do a lot of 1031 exchanges. So My that sell. yeah, because when you sell something, capital gains is going to nail you. Right. It's the taxes. You have to manage the tax system. That's my next book. I'm writing a book about taxes yes. because I think it's the final hurrah for those of us. I, you know, uh, I, I just went to the treasury because they were they have a whole thing going on because 
minorities get audited more than anybody else. And it's because we don't have our act together. We don't have our paperwork together and it's we're easy targets. And I feel like that's the last thing we have to master to understand the monopoly game of the financial system of the United States. Absolutely. But one thing I want to ask you, because I think it's probably the, the most important thing is we see a lot of people, you know, entrepreneurs start businesses. Most of them end in a year or two and they don't make it for the long haul. A lot of artists start being artists and they fizzle out, okay? I think the idea of longevity and building a lifelong career and a li and lifelong investments and as a result, building wealth in your family so that more than anything, so we, not, again, not because of materialism or grandiosity, but to be able to help our children, our community, this and that. What is, you guys, like you guys could be retired Echándose fresco, and you're working more than ever. You're starting Emilio another. Die. That yeah. would kill Emilio. I can't. <laughs> but you too. You you say that because you always say you always say I don't have to. But you're doing a new musical. You're now. I mean, you you've got. And and by the way, we're all encaminando our kids, right? Like right. your daughter. I mean, I think your daughter is so talented she's beyond. Really, I mean, really. she's oh, she's almost the most talented one in the family. Really, really is. she really is. And then you Although have your the grandson, grandson is coming along. The grandson he... is like pretty hot too. So I feel like. You know, you guys, just when you think, okay, Gloria's done it all. You were in that movie, which I love with Andy uh, Garcia. Yeah. That was such a great movie. So mainstream. I loved it. Um, but you guys, are you keep going. And, and I want people to hear, too, that when you've done things right and you have money at the later in life, then you even can get more creative because you can take bigger risks because it's you're not it's not survival anymore. Absolutely. Right? It's always something that that we love and that excites us, something that makes us happy to work on. Like I'm working on this musical with Emily, which is a joy just because it's with Emily too. That's your daughter. It's something that fulfills me to write. I'm a writer at my core, a communicator. That's what I studied, psychology and communications majors and a French minor. I'm excited about doing new things that I love and that I enjoy. And that's the reason I told him, you know, I'm going to work really hard. So one day I don't have to work that hard. It ends up that I'm working harder, but not in the way of the struggle or, you know, I'm choosing very carefully. And by the way, I've done that every step of the way, even when it was, you know, the moments where you've got to hustle now. Did you? Did we keep the momentum going? There's a moment in your business and in your life that you really have to sacrifice time because If you don't build the momentum so that you can coast a little bit more later on, then you lose an opportunity. You know, you can't sit around at the beginning of the career saying, oh, now I had this big hit record. We were on the next record and on the rest next record. But it was because we we're doing things that we loved. Something else, you have to continue to evolve. If you look back at all my albums, there's a growth that I purposely brought my fans along with me carefully because every time I switched it up, you take a risk. And I know that when we did the Mi Tierra album, we were at the top of the charts with my pop career. We had sold out world tour. And Tommy Matola told me, you're crazy you to now do an all Spanish record. Are you nuts? We knew. And it was five years in the making, by the way, that album that it was the right time because we had an audience that was going to appreciate, you know, learning where this came from. And we had an audience that had known us at the beginning that would appreciate hearing Coming me back. native tongue. 
again. And then I did the Christmas album. And then I did a Christmas album in Spanish, Abriendo Puertas, with Colombian rhythms. Then Unwrapped is an Andean sound. All things that are very natural to us because we toured all over Latin America. And at the root of all this music is African music, which ties all of our countries together, Cuba, Brazil, you know, every country in Latin America, pretty much. So it was an exploration to me of these really exciting rhythms that I love and feel comfortable doing. It was never, oh, let me try something just for the hell of it. No, but you have to keep being excited about what you do every day. And if that's retiring, great. Enjoy it. Do it. You know, I haven't toured on a world tour since 2004. I've done little things. I did a couple months in Europe, but that gave me the time to dedicate to the musicals and spend time with the people there. So it's about choice and giving me that choice, which I relish and I really, you know, uh, appreciate. I worked very hard. Now, Emilio, every day he's got to be out the door doing a million things. He has to. He has ADD. And <laughs> it helps that he has so many things to do and that I can then do the stuff that he doesn't like to do, you know, like read the contracts and sit and talk hours to our financial people or insurance people. Yeah, all of it. I mean, I mean, and it's good for people to hear that from you. I think people think that somehow you can get out of the parts that you don't like or oh, that no. you have to conquer those parts and fall in love with them. And by the way, if you don't have a natural affinity for them, find somebody that you trust that might be a friend that you trust their, you know, their values and what they've done and ask for help, ask for their opinion. You know, there's so much research available for us now that we didn't have early on with the internet. And, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions. The person, you know, it doesn't make you look stupid or, you know, if, if you don't ask questions, on the contrary, you need to ask questions. If you don't understand something, ask what clarification, what exactly does this mean? How does this work out in the long run? You know, and the intelligent person is not afraid to say, hey, you know, I didn't understand this. Please explain it clearer to me. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing. And Gloria, how do you manage your time when you're doing like left brain, right brain, creative? Because, you know, again, so many women have maker kind of, you know, jobs. And but it's like the kids, the this, the accountant, the whatever. And then you have to go into a studio and go into a whole other creative journey. You need a schedule. You need to see your time mapped out because early on, I have to say, because of my mom, I was a procrastinator. Emilio is like the opposite so far of being a procrastinator. But I learned that I would get very nervous when I, when I didn't feel ready. And the only way to really feel ready is to do the homework and organize your time. So I am thankful for my assistant, Heather Beltran, who is my right hand, my left hand, my two feet. We sit down and I say, okay, I need to achieve this, this, and this. We have so many requests for things and people and the things we have to do. You need to map out your time, especially if you're a woman that works and is a mother. And you need to make time for your kids. 
that it's quality time, not that you're sitting there and doing something else. You need to sit with them, which I was able to do with my kids. I took them on the road with me. Not every woman is lucky enough to take their kids to work. I would take my kids to work, which helped me be present at every moment. But then when Emily was born that I wanted to enjoy more her school life, I stepped back. There's always a balance and a sacrifice. I stepped back from the performing, which to me is not a problem. And I thoroughly enjoyed taking her to school every day with Emilio, making her lunch, picking her up, going to her basketball games, being there, you know, with my son doing homework on the bus, even though we had a tutor. But being or you have to be organized. You have to make sure that you make time for the things that you need to do. And it'll make you feel better because, you know, and by the way, I have to look at my schedule every day because I don't remember the night before or the afternoon before I will look at the following day, put it. Now we've got so many calendar alerts that can remind you, you know, remember you've got this today, but you got to be organized. Absolutely. You have to be. Well, and as an artist too, it's such a pain because when you're performing, you have to worry about how you look and, you know, and work out and do all that stuff too. Like women are judged harshly and an artist is judged even more harshly. So add that to everything else. It's just a lot. Yeah. But when I was on tour, I locked down everything else. There was nothing else because I can't, I couldn't do interviews, even though sometimes at the beginning I had to, I had to bite the bullet, get up at seven in the morning and be on the morning show. Hey, we're in town, whatever. Once you get to a certain point that you're lucky enough that, you know, you do all that in advance. I did all of that in advance because when I'm on tour, I have to rest my voice. That's it. And do the show which is grueling. And it's, it was usually like, I would run five miles. I would do a two hour workout. This is after the accident because I needed to maintain my stamina. And then I would do a two and a half hour show while eating one good meal at four o'clock in the afternoon. And then it was lettuce and Turkey. Cause like you say, your, your clothes is made for the tour. You can't be changing size. It, It threw out. And our tours were two years long. It was the whole world. So it was a blessing, but it was hard work. And I was away from home, away from my mom, away from my sister. At the beginning, I brought my sister with me, away from my dogs. I would call them on the phone and talk to my dogs on the phone before FaceTime. It's a sacrifice, but my core family was with me and we did it together. I just love that you and Emilio are also so positive and you're so positive and present with people. And I know that that's very hard. And I know that that's a big commitment for you guys because the world is a very tough place. And especially, and our Latinos go through a lot and especially the Latinos that come here. It hurts me that we are such a huge population and we still don't have the kind of power we should have and the kind of money that we should have. And we we still don't know how to play the monopoly game. And that's why I'm so, you know, with such a background in TV and I realized it, it made me, it makes me happy to talk to people about financial literacy and how to get there because I see our community not where they should be. What last words of advice or inspiration yeah. for our listeners about how they should be thinking? Well, you know, I've spent years on different boards trying to convince these companies that Hispanics are a huge, you know, market for them. Somehow they still don't believe it, even though a Latina will spend whatever she has to, to buy super expensive tennis shoes, you know, or sneakers for their kids. 
or really do up their home. And I think that they're waking up a little bit, you know, the, the big companies, but we were fragmented as a Latin community. We don't have unity. We don't have leaders that you can think of. If you think of the African-American community, you can think of certain leaders that are going to show up whenever there's something happening and you can name them. We don't have that. We don't have that yet. It's a tough thing to, to get. And I think the more that we can find ways to, you know, come together in different ways, whether it be Hollywood or, you know, in politically or politics to me, you know, that's a sore spot for me because I, politics is life but it is such a dirty business and it frustrates me to no end. Mm -hmm. And, um, but we are a huge political force and we are a huge economic force mm -hmm. by 2025. We will probably be a quarter of the population mm -hmm. of the United States. That's massive power. Mm -hmm. Now, what would I tell everybody? Number one, if you're 18 years old and you're a citizen, please register to vote. Mm -hmm register to vote. We need our young people to get us out of this craziness that we are in right now. We need fresh ideas. We need young people with energy that have values and morals and that want to do something for the world. The people that are in there now, um, my, <laughs> God bless them that somebody does it because certainly doesn't want to, I don't want to do it, but um, we need our young people and we need to show our economic clout and our political clout. So in order to do that, you have to register to vote and you have to vote in every election, the local ones, the crappy ones. Sometimes people get, you know, really freaked out because they don't know who's running. You know what I do? I sit there with my iPad and I will look up every candidate because I always do mail-in ballot. If you don't do mail-in, do your homework in advance and put the names of the people Your local paper will sometimes, you know, make suggestions, but look up what they've done, look up their record and try to be educated about it, you know, and make a difference. That's the only way in this country that we're going to gain the kind of power that we have in our grasp and in our reach. We have to prepare yeah. and, you know, believe in ourselves and try to come together in every way we can, whether it be do it on a local level. You know, I tell kids, they get so bombarded with negativity and all the terrible things that are happening in the world that they freak out. They're so anxious, our young people. They, they, the anxiety is through the yes. roof. Of course it is, because they're hearing about the terrible things that are happening in the entire world. You know, when we were younger, there were three channels and there was half an hour of local news and half an hour of international news neither one of which I ever watched, to no. tell you the truth. And that was it. So we were only dealing with our own problems in our own world, with our own lives. Now kids are bombarded with so many- Twitter, they wake up with Twitter. With school shootings. We didn't have those worries. They're anxious. We need to, as parents, I think, shut down a little bit of that world for them when they're growing up so that they can be kids and- control a little bit of that social media, talk to them about it. If they're already to the point, you know, be, be really present and in, in what they're viewing because they're just bombarded and try to give them hope that, okay, don't worry about the world. 
you're in school, what cool thing can you do to help your school? What cool thing can you do to help your family, to help things be better for them? You have a cool business idea? Let me see how I can help you put it together. You don't have to wait till you're in the business world. There's kids that are doing amazing things in their teen years because of all the things in their hands. So there's a lot we can do and just keep going forward. Look, the bottom line is let's make the most of what we can do. Enjoy our families. Enjoy those moments that we have with the people we love. The more that you can do that, the better, because that's the only thing. And every day, that's the only thing that's guaranteed. So try to make each day count, you know, and if you get discouraged one day, you wake up the next day and go, okay, today's a different day. What can I do better? What can I do different? And just take it a day at a time because that's all we ever really have. Gloria Stefan, I have mad respect for you, as you know, and you and Emilio have truly been incredible role models of like a great family. Like, you know, as I say in my book, rich in every way, because you guys have really just, and you're so down to earth. You know, I, I said before when I was doing the intro for you, I've met so many celebrities and you guys are the only ones I've met that are, you're just real. You're down to earth and real. And that is a testament to your upbringing and to how we were raised. And I, and I honor that in you. So muchas gracias. Thank you so much. You know what? We went through a lot as kids, both Emilio and me, in different ways. Mm -hmm. And I think it really teaches you the things that are of real value in life. You know, my dad was ill. I had to take care of him. And when you have problems that have no solution, you relish having problems with solutions, you know? And there's always something that you could do to make life better for each other. And Emilio and I were very like-minded in many ways, even though we're very different personality-wise. But thank you for that. I love people. I genuinely love people. And I'm still a communications major at heart. I do it through my music and I do it in whatever way I can. And when I see people, all they want to give me is love. So it would be crazy not to embrace it and absorb it. Thank you very much. We love you. And Emilio says hi. Moneymaker is a production of Money News Network. Moneymaker is written and hosted by me, Nelly Galan. Our executive producer is Morgan Lavoie. Thanks for listening. See you next time.